Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can a pink locker room make a team see red? Was Lou Holtz the best coach at motivating his players? And is the half-shirt jersey coming back in style? Well, we get the skinny and more. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going running all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. It's rare when one player suits up for an historic program, wins multiple awards on a talent-laden team, and is part of a legendary matchup under a decorated coach. That's why we believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith, and we're back for part two of my interview with Chris Zorich, defensive tackle for the University of Notre Dame, winner of the UPI Lyman of the Year, two-time consensus All-American, Lombardi Award winner, Orange Bowl defensive MVP, a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, the Walter Camp all-time All-American team, and a national champion. So let's pick up right there after the 1989 Fiesta Bowl where Notre Dame crushed West Virginia 34-21. What was the celebration like after getting the Irish's first national title under Lou Holtz? So here's the amazing thing, right? So, I mean, we had on the field. It was great. You know, we cheered. Everything was awesome. But then after that, we when we got to the hotel, we had a we had a mass. Oh. Like, like who does that, right? <laughs> like... The good wow. boys at Notre Dame. <laughs> Apparently, you know, we're, we're like, what? But again, it was one of the, it was only it was a team only mass, you know, no family members or anything. But it was again, it was one of those things where it made you, you know, understand why we fought for each other, right? It it made you understand it. It kind of and I'm not even Catholic, and I, I've had this wonderful experience at a Catholic institution, but it was that that. That camaraderie it was that being around your team being you know here we had just had this amazing amazing experience you know we were on the top of our we we're top of the game and then we have a match yep. i mean it, it was it was so surreal and then unfortunately after that um so so one in january when we got back to school like mid-january to start classes again we had found out that one of our teammates had a heart attack and passed away mm. And so, you know, it was like up and down, up emotion, all these amazing emotions. But again, and I'm saying this and, 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 you know, hopefully you had a great college experience and I'm sure, you know, there's millions of other kids that, that are maybe not even involved in athletics that had a great experience. Yeah. But when you put all those together, it makes for an amazing four years of your life. Yeah. I mean, there were hard times. My mom passed away when I was in college, and, but it was the best four years of my life. And it was it was the best because I had a chance to be around guys I cared about, guys I loved. I mean, my best friend to this day was my roommate when I was in college. Wow. And so, you know, it, it's you meet these amazing people, you experience these amazing things, these ups and downs. And when you have that chance to be involved in a, in a, a team atmosphere and you've seen, you know, these great moments and you've 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 hit these low lowest of the lows, but you're doing it together. That's something special. Yeah, and in a world of individual awards and me, 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 it's a wonderful to hear about team, team, team. And going right, into your exactly. junior year, you must have, you guys must have felt unstoppable going into your junior year. 
Oh, it it was it was sick. I mean, we and, and you know, it didn't help. It didn't help the fact that our practices were so so hard that when we actually played on Sunday, it was more of a relief. <laughs> so it was like this is awesome. You know, this is a lot better. You know, the offense and the, the offense gets the rest when the defense is on the field. And the defense gets the rest when the offense is on the field. What this is amazing. We didn't have any rest during practice. You know, so it was one of those cool things where you know because we had this momentum, because we had this confidence. You know, we felt that we absolutely we were unbeatable, and you know that that it stopped literally at a halt. And Holtz put this in one of his books, and it was the biggest mistake of his his career at Notre Dame. Was it was the last game? It was the last game of the regular season for us. We're playing Miami in Miami. We had just beat them the year before, and we were down there, and we had all this confidence, everything else, and we kind of. Well, they confronted us and Holtz ran on the field and he was like, get back, get back, get back. So when we got in the locker room, he like deflated all this emotion. It's like, you know, if you guys fight, I'm going to leave the university. You know, they're saying that we're too rough. And so he was going on and on and on. And we, we lost that, that killer attitude. Took now, the, some took some the guys adrenaline out. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I was fine. I, I had a really good game. I wound up you know, getting a couple fights that I, that I always do. I mean, that's my thing. But for, you know, one person can, can't carry a whole team, you know, and so you had other people who kind of who, who took what he said to heart. And so they lost that edge. And he, and he talked about it in one of his books. And he said he shouldn't have done it. But again, he was getting a lot of pressure from the school because I mean, we had gotten like we were gotten several fights. And, you know, that wasn't what Notre Dame was about. Didn't and, want that you know, reputation. Were, people were, exactly. And, and people were talking about, you know, Notre Dame's a bunch of thugs now. Mm. And, and what is Lou Holtz doing? You know, he's getting these kids from the, quote, end unquote, inner city. And, and this is not what Notre Dame was about. So it was just, he was giving, he was going through a lot of stuff. And, but, you know, he didn't think, he thought, you know, we had enough talent that we could probably match them, you know, man for man, which we probably could. But we also needed that 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 aggressive edge and he, he kind of took that away from us yeah but you did bounce back the knockoff eric Bieniemy and the uh ta- very talented colorado team in the orange bowl uh what turned it around going into that game well it was the fact that we hadn't lost before we hadn't lost since um, the shock of losing we had not only had we f- forgot about losing but we knew that we we weren't going to lose and I don't care if you're going into you, – you can go in and play a pro team, but if you have that much confidence that you really feel that you're going to win, you know, chances are you are going to win. And so we knew that we were going to be – like I said, I thought we were going to win four national championships, right? Yeah. And so, you know, had we not lost that Miami game, we would have had two back-to-back. But it just talked about how talented Miami was because, as I said before, they won in 87 – we won in 88 and then they won in 89 again. I mean, that was how talented they were. They won a national championship. You know yeah. I mean? It was really impressive. Yeah. Going but into that us, game, kinda... you were uh, 23, actually. You were the 23 game winning okay. streak. Okay. So for us, you know, we had to, we had to redeem ourselves and we were playing a really good team, the number one team in the country. And, you know, it was controversial there because they had a quarterback who passed away and, and Holtz had talked about the quarterback at practice and there, there was a camera that filmed what he said. And, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. And, but again, it was being at the top and, and knowing that you're playing the best of the best. 
and we we played a, the number one ranked Colorado team and beat them like twenty one to six or something like that, or I forgot what the score was, but but it, it, it was a great 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 feeling. Yeah, well, being at the top, you always have a target on your back, and uh, that year you're named uh, UPI Lineman of the Year and All American. How special were those honors? Uh, that was cool. I mean, you know, we had a chance to kind of I had a chance to go to some some couple uh, of. Uh, nice banquets and, and had a chance to meet a lot of players that, that we had played against. Um, at that time, I think Amos McGee and, and Alfred Williams were also all Americans. So interestingly enough, after we beat them, we wound up going to, to banquets with them. I think uh, Todd Light on our side was also all American. I mean, we had a lot of great players, but having a chance to be on like the Bob Hope show was like awesome. <laughs> Not that you'd remember that, but yeah, oh yeah, I do. I mean, it, you know, it was so cool. It was, it was so surreal. So you think about here you have this this kid who comes in a rough neighborhood, South South Chicago, family's poor. Um, sometimes we had to eat food out of garbage cans. And you fast forward, you know, a couple of years, and all of a sudden, like, I'm shaking Bob Hope's hand. I mean, it, it's amazing. Yeah, you're living outside your body at that point. And then your senior year, the team lost some really close games. Was that a shock to the system? Oh, Absolutely. And, and really, it deflated. I mean, we were so kind of shocked that I remember this very vividly. It was our first loss that year, and I, I didn't want to talk to the press. And so they were asking, they were asking, asking, asking for me, asking for me. And I was like, I'm not going out there. We lost. And I remember our head of sports information, this guy by the name of Roger Valdeseri, who was like a mentor for me. Uh, he pulled me aside and said, Why aren't you going out? I was like, Well, we lost. He's like, who do you think you are? Mm. Like, how is it? How do you, what, you only talk when you win? I mean, this is not, this is not who we represent. This is not who Notre Dame is. I mean, this is a loss. And you know how many times in life you, you, you're going to, um, you, things aren't going to go right for you. We, you're just going to walk away. And he gave me like this, this pep talk in like three minutes. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, and I went out there and, you know, I was unhappy and stuff like that. But it was one of those things where, Again, kind of a, a a learning experience for me where, you know, I thought we were the best. I thought we were on top. And I was like, well, why am I going to talk to media when we lost? I mean, shame on them. Why why, why, why do they want to know why we lost? You know, and, and it was it was an amazing experience. And it's interesting because I remember that situation. And you fast forward, unfortunately, when my mom passed away, there were media that were outside of our apartment. Oh, and I remember vividly because my 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 family was telling me, hey, there's media out there's media out there. Do you want me to tell them to leave? And I remembered the conversation I had with Roger Valdeseri. And it wasn't so much who do you think you are at this point, but he was like, you know, this is a time when you could if you want to create your own message, you can. Like, yeah, you lost the game. But you can tell why. You can say why. There are things you can do. And I remembered him in my mind saying that, you know, even though when times are good and times are bad, if you're going to be in this environment, if you're going to be accessible, then you have to be able to have a conversation. Now, my mind was fried at that point. I mean, literally, I just found my mom. She had passed away. I just found my mom like an hour ago. And all of a sudden the media they were at my yeah they were at our apartment so but it sounds like you really learned uh, a lot of life lessons at, at oh Notre absolutely Dame. and, and no, you, yeah I, I can't remember what i learned in the physics class but i, tell you, I learned a lot of life lessons <laughs> we're know? not going to go through the pythagorean theorem or anything here <laughs> right, but exactly. uh, 
We are speaking with Chris Zurich, college football legend for the University of Notre Dame. That, that year, though, you still garnered All-American Honors, Orange Bowl MVP, and the prestigious Lombardi Award. Was that icing on the cake to a legendary career for the Irish? Um, you know, it was interesting because at the time, I really didn't understand it. You know, I mean, kind of going through all this, we're winning, we're winning games, and, you know, I'm graduating. I mean, all this stuff was going on, and it was just kind of a whirlwind. You know, after the season um, was over, you know, I'm just kind of running around and, and not, not doing – so this is all before we actually played our last game. So I won the Lombardi, I think I want to say maybe a, a, like maybe a couple of weeks before we, we actually played in the Orange Bowl. So – I remember because, uh, again, my mom didn't like to fly, so she wasn't going to fly from Chicago to, to Texas where the Lombardi ceremony was. So Roger Valdeseri, the guy I mentioned, I went with him. And, you know, we obviously, obviously had a chance to spend a lot of time together. But it was interesting because I had gone the year before because I was a finalist when I was a junior. Yeah. And, um, someone else won it. And so I, I, had, I had already gone before. So it's kind of like I knew everybody there and it was just a great experience. And then when I won it, you know, I was just kind of was like, wow, you know, I was amazed. And, you know, again, you don't understand what happens until it's years and years later. I mean, you know, I, I really didn't kind of start looking at all my accolades until like I left the NFL, like I'm, you know, 20, 30 years later, putting my office together and going, Oh, wow. I remember that, <laughs> you know? And, and like, people are like, Hey, where's your Lombardi award? It's like, well, it was in a box. Like, <laughs> I was going to say it's a like, doorstop right now. It really? Right, right, exactly. Exactly. You know I mean? That's the people who do them when they, when they win Academy award or something like that. I was like, yeah, you know, but you, you know, you don't necessarily appreciate it until years and years later. Sure. And it was one of those things where I started to go through storage and kind of go through boxes and like, Oh, I didn't know I did this. Oh, this is pretty cool. And then I remember when I was named the UP, uh, or excuse me, the uh, UP Defensive Player of the Year, the quarterback for BYU, Ty Detmer, was the Offensive Player of the Year. Wow. And so we had actually went went, went to an event together. They flew us to the event. It was a big, big banquet and everything. And I hadn't thought about that until I went in the storage and I pulled out that trophy. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember this. And literally, it brought me back when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old going, oh, I remember talking to Ty Detmer and it was, it was just a great experience. Yeah, what a great memory. And why, is that why you didn't wear your national championship ring for so long? That was one of the reasons. I mean, it was, you know, it was one of those things where I felt, well, I obviously wouldn't go wear it when, when I was in the NFL. But then after that, it was just one of those situations where it was like, you know, I did that. That was in the past. And it was a great accomplishment. But then when you get older, you realize how special it was, you know, and then sure. we start going back for reunions. Then we start losing guys, right? Guys start passing away. Yeah. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Why, why haven't I won? I, I didn't wear this because what, you know, what was my reasoning? It was, well, you know, I wanted to accomplish other stuff or I didn't want to be known to be just a football player. It's like, wait a minute, buddy. This was an amazing four years of your life. And you had some amazing, great experience. You have some life changing experiences. Why don't you want to wear that ring to, to, to represent that? And so now I wear it all the time, you know, it, it, but again, I, you know, hadn't worn it, you know, regularly for like probably 30 years, you know, or so it 20, looks brand new, at least 25 years. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and the Irish, I mean, during your career, the Irish won 23 straight games. We were saying about from 88 and 89. And in your three seasons as a starter, Notre Dame won a whopping 33 of 37 games. If you could just pinpoint one of those 33 games, which one stands out the most? 
Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, outside of Miami, you know, because that's special, right? So, I mean, let's put that in a different category. And then let's take – so uh, I'm going to do like a, a bookend thing, right? So look, my, my first game was against Michigan. That, that's kind of like a holy grail. Let's not talk about that one. And then there's the last game that I played – for Notre Dame, which was the Orange Bowl, where we lost by one point. Um, so let's not include that one either, right? Um, and then let's not include, like, the Miami game. There was a game, it was during the, the National Championship year, we were playing against uh, the Air Force Academy. Okay. And it, we were playing there. And, you know, they have the whole thing about altitude. And, you know, so, so you know, we had to get there early. And we went from the airport to the stadium did a walkthrough kind of guys jogged around a little bit and then we went back to the hotel normal day i think it was may have even i'm not sure if it was my game or not but went back slept yeah, was, and when we got back in late the, october okay when we got back to the hotel actually when we got back to the, to the stadium to play the game the locker room was pink <laughs> what the whole locker room was pink and Holt was furious. Right? He was like, what the hell? This is crazy. And so he's giving us a speech. We're all like, what is this? You know, and I think uh, it's a known fact that like Iowa, I think Iowa's away, the Iowa's locker room in the stadium for their opponent is pink, I think. And Holt is furious. And in a speech, he goes, he says, you, you, you go to a hardware store. I want you to buy 10 cases of black spray paint. Because after we're kicked their ass, we're going to paint their locker room black. <laughs> We go nuts, right? We do. We just we're going nuts, right? So we go out there, we beat them. We're coming in in the in the locker room. Holtz has all these paint cans, all these spray paint cans in boxes. Guys are grabbing them, they're shaking them up, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Holtz is like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, uh, wait a minute. Change his mind. Like, this, of course, it's like this is not the everything way, but so. But here's the thing, like, and I've never talked about this. I it wouldn't put in pat. It wouldn't. I would think. I mean, Holtz would be capable enough that he had the manager because we were kind of getting lax, you know, when we were playing Air Force and, you know, we'd never lost to them. Sure. It was an important year, you know, it was kind of later in the year. So, you know, he may thought that we were kind of, kind of getting a little overconfident. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had the managers paint the locker room pink that night without us knowing it, without obviously Air Force knowing it. And then kind of doing this whole charade about black spray paint and everything else, but wow. it's crazy. Man. Yeah. It's crazy. It sounds like Lou Holtz was a great coach, but also a nice psychological motivator. Oh, he was, a, he was a phenomenal. I mean, he, and he, and it's funny because the conversation that I had with him about the center from Michigan, he had that conversation with all the, all, all the guys, Hey, you know, so-and-so was saying this, or, you know, Hey, do you think you're really capable? He told Pat Terrell, that he would never play at Notre Dame. He never he would play never play receiver. He told Stan Smagala that he needed to transfer, and Stan wound up winning. He wound up starting for two years for Notre Dame. So it's just it's amazing. Wow! And no Notre Dame team, not even Newt Rockney's team, won twenty three in a row. What are the best fan reactions you get from those eighty eight and eighty nine teams? Well. Unfortunately, it helps that they haven't won any. They haven't won I was just going to say, and you're, and you're the last, last team it's, to win the right. national championship. You know, and it's bad, though, because it's like, you know, we joke around and, you know, it's not funny. Again, because, you know, we felt that we were going to win every year. So we knew how it was to feel, how, how it felt to win. 
But now it's like, guys, you need to come on. And but then it's funny because when they they are undefeated, like there'll be a couple phone calls going around, going, "Hey man, you know, are, are we are they about to win? Are they about to win?" Like in 2012, when Notre Dame was undefeated, and they were going to play. Um, they, they played Alabama. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, guys on the phone, "Hey man, you know, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose." And then as soon as we we lost, somebody sent like a tweet or something like that with with an emoji with like champagne bottle being popped. You know, it's like <laughs> just like Shula's guys... Dolphins, then, right? Is right. That, that's right. Kind of, exactly. You're in, exactly. You're in that club. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's it's a sad club because it's like, I mean, you know, it's been thirty years. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah, like, of course, you want them to win. Of course. I mean, this this program was once like the the premier, the top program in the country, and they've obviously had undefeated seasons, you know, since then, and they've done really well. But they haven't had a chance to kind of compete or win the national championship, and so. You know, and, and and I think if you look at uh, Brian Kelly's record now, it may even be one of the highest percentages of coaches at Notre Dame. But he but he hasn't had that that national championship title. Sure, you know? it just goes to show you how tough it is to get to the the top of the mountain oh, of right, college exactly. football. Right, you know, and again, so imagine, and, and but but you know that now, right? But back then, you didn't. You just assumed it was going to happen every year for you because you guys were that good. But you realize that it doesn't. So that's why I like admire, admire teams that have won it two or three times in a row. Like that's amazing. I think you know how tough it is. It and I'm oh my god, it's amazing. Yep. And uh, you play with a lot of NFL talent in Notre Dame, and you end up getting drafted by your hometown Chicago Bears in the '91 draft. How surreal was that? That was just that was absolutely amazing because my mom and I were were, were both Bear fans when I was growing up. And my senior year in high school, Mike Ditka was um, the speaker at an all-state banquet that I went, that I attended. And we, my mom and I got to the event early and Mike Ditka was in the lobby kind of hanging out. My mom's like, hey, there's Mike Ditka. I'm like, yeah. She's like, go say hi. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm 18 years old. I'm like, there's probably 17. I'm like, there's no, I'm absolutely not. She's like, well, I'm going to go. And I'm like pulling on my mom and she yeah, goes, please, I'm don't. like, oh my God. And of course, you know, a couple months later, my mom's like, come here, come here. And I'm like, oh my God. Just so he's like, Hey Chris, how you doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. My mom tells me your, your mom tells me that, you know, you're not, you're an all state player in Chicago or Illinois, blah, blah, blah. And somehow I worked up the nerve and, and it was crazy. But I was just like, you know, coach in four years, can you please remember my name? Cause I would love playing for the bears. Now, you know, granted he, he didn't remember that conversation, but it was just so surreal that comes full you know, circle draft day. Exactly. I get drafted by the bears. I mean, that's, that was just an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. And, and so, uh, going back a little bit to some of your awards, that happened a little later on in 2007. You're inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Not only were you the youngest player to be inducted at the time, you were only the third defensive lineman from a tradition-rich Notre Dame to be enshrined. Tell us about that special experience. Yeah, that's, that's just, I mean, you know, when you think about, like, the great defensive players they've had, I mean, you know, Alan Page and the, yes. I mean, these are individuals that have, like, created what college football is about, you know? Mm. And so... The idea that you you have a chance to like be now part of the the legends, you know, of Notre Dame is just amazing because, you know, when I showed up there as a freshman linebacker in 1987, you know, 
weighing 220 pounds, you know, not thinking I was ever going to play college football and then being inducted into the college football hall of fame. I mean, that, that's like, that's just a surreal, surreal experience. But, you know, it just goes to show you what, what hard work and dedication can do. But again, you know, when it happens later, it's so much more, it means so much more, right? Because, you know, the one thing I would tell an 18 or 17 year old Chris Zorich is you have to enjoy every moment. You have to enjoy what, what you're doing because if you di- if you don't, then it, it's not going to be as fun and as exciting because I'll tell you now, I mean, because winning was expected of us, there, there's a lot of pressure and we had fun, Yeah. but we, we didn't understand what, what we, what we had, what you were achieving we at the time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I would just tell a younger me just to enjoy every moment because you know, yeah, you're winning now. But it's not going to happen forever. You know, you guys aren't going to win back-to-back national championships. You know, you, you're going to lose games your senior year. You know, so you should enjoy this right now because it, it's not going to get any better than this. You're on the top of college football. You know, enjoy every second of it. Yeah. Well, you had a couple other special moments uh, a couple years later, actually, in 09. You're inducted into the FedEx Orange Bowl Hall of Fame. <laughs> that and, was cool. Yeah. And 2019, uh, you're named to the Walter Camp all time that is the all-time all-american yes. team that, that was i mean now again another surreal moment i mean you know you're talking about kind of the father of collegiate football you know in walter camp you know and and you know knowing kind of the the tradition that walter camp not only created yale but created just for for college athletics and knowing that you'll kind of always be a part of that. And then, you know, it's one thing to be honored to every year to be one of the Walter Camp All-Americans, but then to be honored as one of the all-time mm-hmm. Walter Camp. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and you look at it and you kind of chuckle and just say, wow, you know, if I only knew. You know, And again, you're talking about basically, because I didn't play my freshman year, you're talking about three years of college football. And... I remember a lot of it, but I remember, you know, a lot of the pressure, you know, I remember, you know, uh, a lot of the bad times we had. And, and, and I just wish that I would, I would have kind of lived more in the moment at the time because, you know, it was, it was, it was just so fun. And so if I'm excited and fired up now, you know, 20, 30 years later, imagine how I was when I was 18, you know, I would, I would have loved to have been able to tell myself that. It's great to enjoy all the accolades that you truly deserve. We're talking with Chris Zorich, college football legend for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And where can uh, fans keep up to date with you? Do you have a website or social media? Uh, XIM. So, I mean, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. So, uh, you can just kind of check out my YouTube page at uh, Chris Zorch 50, but you can also check me out on Facebook Live because every Saturday, um, 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, I'm actually doing a, a, a podcast. It's called the Zorch Podcast. And, and right now, and I just started it. I am actually have the opportunity. It's a really fun time. We actually interviewed. Uh, some really great players in the beginning. We, we interviewed uh, Tony Rice, our great quarterback, who won the national championship, some other guys. And and it, it's great because I go a little bit beyond the X's and O's. So, you know, I want, to, want people to know these guys, how I, how I know them. And one of the amazing things, I, I had a chance to interview Pat Terrell. And 
after he played at Notre Dame, um, he played in the NFL for a long time, but in the off season, he was getting his uh, a license to actually fly planes, fly planes to be a pilot. Wow. And when he retired from the NFL, he, he became a, a commercial pilot, which is which is cool in itself, right? I mean, you know, you, sure. you played, and then all of a sudden you're flying planes. But then he also flew troops during Iraqi freedom. Wow. And so he kind of told stories about that. And a lot of people didn't know that about him. And so it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. With these interviews that try to kind of go beyond what people know you as, you know, as a player. And so just try to get a little bit more in depth. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool because I know these guys and they're able to kind of share their stories a little bit, a little bit more. So it's fun. And um, I mean, I'm not going to be kind of a uh, ESPN, uh, Hey, but never say never. I've seen your career so far. I don't know. I don't know. Tomorrow you're going to be getting the contract. It sounds like. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, it's just fun. You know, it's fun to kind of bring feelings and bring stories out of people that, that folks may not have heard, which I think is so special, right? Because, you know, if people read articles about you or people kind of hear interviews about you and you're now able to kind of bring a little bit something a little bit different that's kind of what we what we enjoy doing perfect well I, i'm looking forward to listening and i encourage everyone to go out and listen and Thank before you. we close out it's, it's time, time to go, go. Ready for this? three and out three and out with college football legend chris zorich all right these are three lighter questions to close out our interview here chris number one you can watch only one football movie while you're locked in your house is it rudy or is there another favorite football movie you have you know, as much as I love Rudy, I got to go with Brian's song. Oh, there. Which, so again, you know, again, I was a kid. I watched Brian's song, right, growing up, right? And I become part of the Bears, and the Bears have established the Brian Piccolo Award, which was Brian's, which the movie was about this individual named Brian Piccolo. And, you know, he had cancer and passed away. But they have, the Chicago Bears, they have an award. In his in his name, and, and I won it twice. Wow! And so, kind of that feeling and that kind of that that inspiration behind Brian's song, absolutely Brian's song. Oh. Although I, you know, I like Rudy, but you know, Brian's song is is my football. Brian's song's where you're going with. All right, and, and number two, the best and worst part of wearing a half shirt jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, first thing, I got to pause. I gotta, kind of tell you what, what happened why i was wearing it. all right and it wasn't that i wanted to be different not at all but we had these so when i got to Notre Dame, we had these old 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 school jerseys like like they were like wool okay <laughs> and i'm sure they, they were used back in the rocky days or something like that but that's what we practiced in and it was too hot for me because sure. i get hot really quick i sweat all the time so i wound up cutting it in half and the next day, so I practiced in it. The next day, I went in my locker to go to practice again, and the jersey wasn't there. And I was like, "What happened?" So I went around asking the managers, was like, "No, we we didn't get your jersey." They're like, "Well, where is it?" You got to ask the ask the equipment manager. So I go to him. He's like, "You owe me seventy five dollars." I'm like, "What?" He was like, "You defaced your jersey. You cut it up. You got to give me seventy five dollars." And it's, it's, it's like five minutes before practice. I'm like, okay, there's no way. First of all, I don't have some. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking like, where am I getting $75? Right, exactly. I'm like, there's no way. So I went and grabbed one of the seniors 
and I told him, I saw, I don't know what the conversation he had with, with the equipment guy was, but I wound up getting it. So it was fun wearing it because I felt comfortable in it. That, that's the good part. Yeah, the bad right. part was since I had to wear it all the time, we played the Penn state up there and it had to be like 20 below. Ooh. And I wasn't going to put a t-shirt on. So I had to go out there with a bare stomach in like 30 degree weather. So that, that was, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the most pleasant uh, scenarios for you. And uh, last not but not all. least, I'm a foodie. So if you were to point me to one Chicago legendary shytown town meal, which would it be? Would it be the beef and cheese, famous hot dog or Chicago style pizza? Well, I'd have to go Chicago style pizza. I mean, I, I grew up on, on that, that type of pizza. And, you know, depending on where you go, but there's some great places uh, downtown, Lou Malinati's, Pizzeria Uno's, Giordano's, thick crust pizza. It's not for everybody. I've been to New York. I, I've had New York's pizza. I love their pizza, but I'm a, I'm a Chicago kid, so I'm going to have to say Chicago stuffed pizza. Yep, I've been to Giordano's. That, that, that was fantastic. That was my first taste of it. So, uh, well, and to. it's a meal, right? I mean, it's just one piece. And you're like, oh, I could, I could do two or three. You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, this is. One then you got to carry it home, and it's like you're carrying a box of bricks. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> All right, we've been talking with college football legend Chris Zorich. Thank you, Chris, for joining me here today. Well, Chris was awesome. Thank you, man. I had a blast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the College Football Legend podcast. Tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus, and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.